Attention Brandon at Random Reviews viewers. There is a character in this episode's feature film whose last name is Banner. That character is portrayed by the lovely Elizabeth Olsen, who is the wind beneath my wings. For some reason, I got it in my head after saying the name Banner for the first time that I would just suddenly start saying Brenner instead of Banner for the remainder of the episode. Maybe because Jeremy Renner's last name rhymes with Brenner? I don't know. Please accept my sincerest apologies and condolences if my absent-mindedness offends you in any way, as that was not my intention. My thoughts and prayers are with you and your loved ones during this difficult time. Over here, see this one? She has the toes turned out in the front. It's much deeper than the back. That says she's running. Come here, I'll show you. She ran until she dropped here. See the pool of blood where her face hit the snow. Now it gets 20 below here at night. So if you fill your lungs up with that cold air when you're running, you can freeze them up. Your lungs fill up with blood. You start coughing it up. So wherever she came from, she ran all the way here. Her lungs burst here. She curled up in that tree line and drowned her own blood. Well, how far do you think someone could run barefoot out here? Oh, I don't know. How do you gauge someone's will to live, especially in these conditions? But I knew that girl. She's a fighter. So no matter how far you think she ran, I can guarantee you she ran further. All right, everyone, welcome to Brandon at Random Reviews. I am your host, Brandon Griffiths. Thank you for stopping by. I do appreciate it. If you like listening to a guy talk about one unsystematically chosen movie at a time in weekly episodes, then look no further. To keep up with the newest content, you can find Brandon at Random Reviews on most major video and audio platforms, as well as all popular social media sites. If you like this, please like and subscribe. Today's movie is Wind River, released on August 4th, 2017, written and directed by Taylor Sheridan. He also made Sicario, which I actually started at one point and I just never finished it and I've been told it's very good. I just need to go back and actually watch it. And he also made Hell or High Water and that one was pretty solid. It was kind of like a modern western of sorts, I guess, like if I, if I recall correctly. Wind River was actually released following those two movies and is considered the third and final installment of what is referred to as Sheridan's modern-day American Frontier trilogy. For the producers, we have Matthew George, Basil Isonic, Peter Berg, Wayne L. Rogers, and Elizabeth A. Bell. For the score, we have composers Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. For the cast, we have Jeremy Renner, who plays U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service agent Corey Lambert. He played Hawkeye in the Marvel movies and shows, and he actually had his own show, Hawkeye. The first movie I actually remember seeing Jeremy Renner in was The Hurt Locker, the one that was about, like, the bomb diffusers in the Middle East, like Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever it was. Really good movie. 
won an Oscar. Not that I give a shit. He was also in The Town, and that that had Ben Affleck in it, and it got a lot of flack for having a little too much of a love story, but I really liked it, so I can't really complain. And then we have Elizabeth Olsen, who I have noted here is hot, and she plays rookie FBI agent Jane Brenner. She played Scarlet Witch in the Marvel movies and shows. She was on WandaVision most predominantly, and she was also in Godzilla from 2014, which I saw in theaters. I actually really liked it. I thought it was a pretty solid movie. I know that a lot of people just kind of dubbed it mediocre and left it at that. Graham Greene plays Ben, and Kelsey Asbeel plays Natalie. For casting notes, Jeremy Renner was the director's first choice for the lead role, but as he was busy shooting Arrival from 2016 at the time, Taylor Sheridan approached Chris Pine, who later had to drop out because of his role in Wonder Woman from 2017. Coincidentally, Renner's schedule opened up and he was roped in for the role. Do you get it? Because Wonder Woman uses the lasso of truth which is a rope. Anyway, for the plot synopsis, a wildlife officer who is haunted by his past is joined by an FBI agent to investigate the murder of a young woman on a Wyoming native reservation. For the taglines, nothing is harder to track than the truth. And then danger comes with the territory. And those are pretty solid. I mean, they're not amazing, but they're pretty fucking great. All right, guys, let's just dive right into the plot of this fucking movie. So this one starts off with a female voiceover as we see a young woman desperately running across an icy valley, fearing for her life, clearly. Suddenly, the scene cuts out and we see our protagonist, Corey, hunting, and he's a fish and wildlife service agent, and he goes to his ex, Wilma's house, to pick up his son, and the viewer's attention is drawn to photos on the mantle of some young girl. You assume that it was someone at least close to their family because basically Corey has like a reaction as he looks over. His eager preteen son is named Casey and Corey is still teaching him the basics of gun safety. Like he walks down the fucking stairs and he's like, straight up pointing this fucking gun at everybody, and it's like, holy shit. But as Casey walks outside, Wilma mentions a potential relocation if she gets this new job, and that it might increase Corey's child support payments. It's kind of, I mean, maybe it's just because it's a movie, but it seems like kind of a shitty move to, like, immediately be bringing up money in those times. So the boys go out to a farm, and Corey is very patient with Casey and just encourages him to learn new things, and okay, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but am I supposed to be calling these places Indian reservations? I've heard a variety of different preferred nomenclatures for natives in the U.S., but just know that whatever term I use, please substitute it for the correct one if it's wrong. For right now, I'll just make it easy on myself and refer to them as Indigenous Peoples' Protected Territorial Land Settlements of the United States of America. The boys drive to the Wind River Reservation to see a friend or something, and eventually Corey heads out tracking an animal on a snowmobile. Actually, I should probably clarify. I mean, Corey is on a snowmobile himself, but he's actually just looking for an animal we assume is on foot. We just simply wish that the animal was riding a snowmobile, because that'd be pretty great. And that stupid joke seems like a really classy segue into mentioning that Corey eventually stumbles upon the frozen body of the terrified girl from the beginning of the movie. Corey calls it in, and there is a native officer who expresses his preference to not move or disturb the body before additional support arrives. Then, of course, Elizabeth Olsen, the love of my life, my one and only someone, arrives portraying Agent 
Jane Brenner. Brenner is eager to be taken to the body, but is unprepared and underdressed for the harsh temperatures and weather, and they tell her that they actually fear making the five-mile snowmobile ride might literally kill her. So... They get her some gear, and they make it to the location of the body, and Corey knows the victim, and her name is Natalie, and Brenner just wants to have her body examined as soon as possible. Brenner is asking all of the questions, and Corey gives her the necessary info, and establishes that the closest structures she could have run from are multiple miles away, and she was barefoot. Of course, none of these guys are super welcoming to Agent Brenner. She's just kind of seen as an outsider who's seemingly doesn't understand how life is there. This guy Ben Shoyo, who is the chief of tribal police, works in conjunction with Corey, but they're not truly co-workers. Back at home, Corey is prepping his ammo, and Casey comes to ask about the woman who died, and it's revealed that there is some mysterious Emily in their family's past who died, and she's probably the girl in the pictures on the mantle from earlier. Guys, try to keep up. It's his daughter. I mean, you gotta realize, like, that's the only thing that he's gonna be that worked up about. Brenner and Ben go to visit the medical examiner after the autopsy is complete, and he shares his findings, including lacerations, frostbite, and other trauma, including indications of potential sexual assault. They ask for the cause of death, and the examiner does not identify it as being something that would be a result of murder. This frustrates the two agents, so Brenner gets really fired up and explains that classifying the death this way will likely change jurisdiction and fall out of her responsibility and into that of the tribal police. So, Corey, Ben, and Brenner go to the house of Natalie's parents to ask their questions, and Brenner gets a little hot-headed and fails to acknowledge that tragedy has befallen this couple, and now they're being antagonized by an outsider. So, Corey seems to be pretty well accepted by the natives in Wind River. They basically look at him as an ally and openly talk to him, especially in this moment where Corey has experience with losing a daughter. Natalie's father mentions that his son has become concerned consumed with drug use, and despite him living fairly close, they're not really in touch with him at that point. So Corey, Brenner, and Ben go to where Natalie's brother lives, which is a rundown shack. The man who answers the door is standoffish and then sprays them in the face with paint or something and flees. And we see things from Brenner's perspective as what she was sprayed with has significantly impaired her vision, and suddenly there's a gunshot and a subsequent shootout, ending with the man who sprayed them, suffering a gunshot wound and struggling to stay alive. After the hail of gunfire, they encounter two guys who indicate that Natalie's boyfriend was a white man. Corey explains to Brenner that he sees snowmobile tracks near the property and there are no tracks coming back. So the two of them go to investigate what might be out there, like where did the snowmobile go that they didn't come back. So they find another body in the woods, and it's a guy that Corey knows very well. So he goes to the house to talk to the guys from after the shootout again, and the one he talks to goes a little too far talking about what happened to Corey's daughter, and Corey roughs him up in the back seat. The guy reveals that the boyfriend's name is Matt, and he worked security on one of the drilling sites, which was referenced as the closest landmark to where Natalie's body was found. It's pretty clear that Corey is very much haunted by what happened to his daughter. His demeanor is very unhappy and seemingly full of grief, mostly. 
He goes to see his ex again, and it's not clear if she blames him for what happened with the daughter or if she just associates the loss too closely with Corey. Brenner comes to Corey's house and sees pictures of his daughter Emily, and he shares how she passed away, like the sequence of events. So one night, apparently, Corey had the night off, and he got a hotel, and his wife came to spend some time with him, and Emily was left to watch her little brother, Casey, and she had friends over, and it kind of got out of hand. People started coming over who weren't friends, and Corey got a phone call from her best friend, Natalie, and he found out something happened to Emily, and they found her body later, but there were still a lot of questions that Corey doesn't have answers for. So Brenner is very emotional following the story, and then she leaves for the night, and the next day, Corey, Brenner, and Ben go to the local authorities to discuss their intention to try and get access to the surveillance footage at the drilling site. I don't think I could stand living in a place where a snowmobile would be the preferred method of travel in so many situations. Nothing against snowmobiles, of course, it's just, I feel like it's an indication that it's probably a desolate, wintry wasteland. So they go to the site and ask the men working there about Matt, and they claim that they haven't seen him since the fight with Natalie, but Brenner remarks on the fact that their faces all have lacerations all over them, which they blame on snowmobiling accidents. Corey makes his way up the mountain and gets a bird's eye view, and our perspective switches to Ben and Brenner again, and the local cops below, and they get surrounded by site workers after they let it slip that they know more than they originally suggested. There's a lot of well-built tension as they're all pulling guns on each other before they finally calm down a bit. We see Corey trying to reach them on the radio. Brenner walks up the steps to Matt's trailer and begins to knock while the others wait on the ground, and there's a cool transition as you initially think that you're seeing Matt's reaction to Brenner's knocks, but it's actually segueing into a flashback to the night that Natalie came over, the same night that she was murdered. So the couple flirts, and Natalie shares that she walked instead of driving to get there, and of course they sleep together and talk afterwards. Suddenly they hear some of Matt's friends pull up on snowmobiles near the trailer, and the friends appear to be drunk, especially this one guy in particular who keeps giving them a hard time as they lay in bed, and it eventually gets physical, like it's it's an aggressive situation. So suddenly it's an all-out brawl, and the other friends join in, and you get what I refer to as the deliverance feeling just before the guys begin to rape Natalie and Matt is overpowered as he tries to break it up and Natalie eventually gets free and flees. We flash back to the present and Brenner is starting to believe no one is in the trailer until she gets shot through the door by someone inside like she gets hit right like front and center. It seems pretty dire as the site workers clearly gain the upper hand and as one goes to shoot Brenner suddenly he's hit by a rifle shot fired by Corey at a distance and the way they set that shot up I don't want to say I completely forgot that Corey was there but it's just like it was such amazing timing that it was just fucking perfect so Corey legitimately wipes out all of these guys working at the site who are outside and two of them are still inside the trailer and one flees and manages to evade being shot by a wounded Brenner from the ground but 
Ori has made it to her side. The one worker is still fleeing and he's in the woods and you hear a snowmobile in the distance and suddenly Cory catches him and takes him out to this open spot up in the mountain and tells him that he'll give him a chance if he tells what happened and confesses to the rape. So the chance he gives him is the same chance Natalie was given that night. The guy would have to travel six miles barefoot to the nearest highway. It's pretty clear that he doesn't make it but obviously they don't show us the whole grueling experience. So Corey visits Brenner in the hospital as she recovers from the gunshot wound to her chest, and then he proceeds to go to Martin's house, which is Natalie's dad. He's obviously still very upset, so he finds Martin's wife lying upstairs in her daughter's bedroom, and it's like, is she dead? Like, I, is this lady, like, just laying there dead and somebody killed her? Probably just catatonic. It, oh, yep, and she she gets up, so no worries. Okay, so Corey sees Martin outside through the window, and he's got his face painted, like, more traditional native face painting and he's still very somber and grief stricken of course and the two men talk briefly and just sit in each other's company and the movie just closes out with text that explains how missing person statistics are tracked for essentially every demographic in the U.S. except for native women so no one really knows how commonplace issues like this are and how widespread these things are happening and obviously no one is being held accountable for what's happening to these women. And then we roll credits. So praise for this movie. This movie is 100% my kind of flick. Like all of these investigative dramas, especially set in snowy weather conditions, they're the best. So all of the performances in this movie are pretty exceptional and it all feels really genuine. It's, I mean, I hate to say it because I feel like it's like probably a tired thing to say, but like I look at it as like, it's like a glimpse of just like, real life like that it just feels that realistic there are some standout moments in this like surprises heartbreak and humanity to name a few i mean there's just a lot of emotion going on and it's it's crazy so also elizabeth olsen is in this film quite a bit and that's not something that can go unmentioned for me like that's just a big perk to this movie that's already good and then criticism i mean i guess i feel like i want there to be more of this movie either by making it long or having more big moments concentrated into it. But that's the thing, is it really does have exactly the amount that it needs to have as it is, so I'm not going to complain. For trivia, okay, so this is kind of fucking wild and explains a lot. So during the course of the shoot, writer-director Taylor Sheridan was visited on set by some Shoshone tribal leaders who astonished him with the revelation that at that very time, there were 12 unsolved murders of young women on a reservation of about 6,000 people. Due to a 1978 landmark government ruling, the Supreme Court stripped tribes of the right to arrest and prosecute non-natives who commit crimes on native land. If neither victim nor perpetrator are alive, a county or state officer must make the arrest. If the perpetrator is non-native and the victim is an enrolled member, only a federally certified agent has that right. If the opposite is true, a tribal officer can make the arrest, but the case must still go to federal court. This quagmire
quagmire creates a jurisdictional nightmare by choking up the legal process on reservations to such a degree that many criminals go unpunished indefinitely for serious crimes. The grueling location shoot was filmed in real blizzard conditions with crew and equipment being primarily ferried to locations on snowmobiles and snowcats since regular vehicles were totally unsuitable for the hazardous terrain. Cleaning up unsightly vehicle tracks left in the snowy landscape had to be done with some compositing in post to keep the vista in virginal condition. The Wind River Reservation is the seventh largest native reservation in the United States. In order to get attention for the movie so that the director could get enough money to finish it in post-production the way he wanted, he entered the film into Sundance without telling his producers, who he says were not happy because they were trying to close a deal with the Weinstein Company for the film. Nevertheless, that deal was eventually made. After the news of Harvey Weinstein's history of sexual assaults and harassment fully broke in late 2017, Taylor Sheridan called the Weinstein Company's then interim chairman, David Klasner, and gave them an ultimatum. The company would remove its logo and any production credits from the film for all post-theatrical airings and agree to turn down any future compensation from its release. In return, there would be no other dealings. Glasner immediately agreed to Sheridan's demands. Alright, so on to info and ratings. We have a runtime of 107 minutes. This movie is rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. Budget, $11 million. Opening weekend, 161.6 thousand. Worldwide gross, 44.2 million. IMDb rating, 7.7. Letterboxd rating, 3.8. Rotten Tomato Critics score, 88%. Rotten Tomato Audience score, 90%. Personal rating, 4.5 out of 5 stars. I fucking love this one. Like I said, it's my type of movie. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. Maybe check out some episodes. Maybe play some of them a reasonable amount of times. Really get my name out there. All right, everyone. Well, have a good rest of your day. Bye now. You know where we are? No. It's Canada Peak. Highest mountain in Wyoming. And on the hottest day in August. Shovel foot of snow. Today. Too cold snow. Look, man, let's just let's just talk for a minute, right? Let's just talk. Please. Sure. What the fuck? Evidence! Evidence! You know, I got all the time in the world here. Can't say the same for you. So we can talk. You can keep whining. Look, I'm, I've made mistakes, okay? So what'd you do? Hey, look, I'm I'm not the law here. I'm just a guy sitting in front of you. So you can tell me the truth. If you tell me the truth, I'll give you a chance. Oh, you just listen to me! You know what it's like out here in this frozen hell. There's no nothing to do. No nothing. Ain't no win. No fun. This is fucking, it's fucking snow. In the fucking silence. That's all. My family's people were forced here. 
Stuck here for a century. That snow and silence. It's the only thing that hasn't been taken from them. So what'd you take? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you, I don't know what you mean. You take something too? <laughs> <laughs>